On this week's episode, Sonic races back to the theaters. Rockstar wants to revive Max Payne, and it's a return to the next generation for Star Trek. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a one, two, three, four, five, five star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. The Lakers fast break, even though the Lakers season is over, we're doing shows each and every week at the Lakers fast break. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, where we cover the latest in gaming right there at Game Source on Facebook. Plus, we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. So if you can go ahead and check us out at Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, you'll not only get the latest news and information, but you will see the wonderful and fantastic folks that cover our tremendous amount of games we do on the weekend with Mitch running the show as the DM there. The wacky crew and the wacky things that they do each and every Monday, plus Melinda and Rob and everything that they do for us, including the vampires and Vitae, which are every single week right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, plus Wizards and Wine and so much more. You want to go ahead and check it out today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, popculturecosmos.com. And if you can support all that, it is sincerely appreciated. Hope I didn't scare anyone away with that intro. It's a lot. I know. It's a lot you to remember. We might be busy people. Yes, we are busy. We try to keep it busy. That's for sure. Try to keep you entertained. Here absolutely. At the Pop- yeah, absolutely. Here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the official mastermind behind Vampires of Vitae. Don't tell her husband. <laughs> you can go ahead and check her stuff out today. At Pop Culture Cosmos, but at Vampires and Vitae, go ahead, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Vampires and Vitae, plus she is also the official mastermind of Wizards Wine, is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda, great to have you back. Good to Looking be back. forward to talking some awesome pop culture thingamabobs on this week's show. Mm-hmm. And we're excited because... We are now COVID-free in the house. Hey! Hey! Such great news. Yeah. Obviously, continued good health to you and the entire household. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, now that you can officially wreak havoc upon the world again as part of Vampires <laughs> and Vitae and, of course, yeah. Wizards and Wine. But I'm going to be nervous throughout the entire program. I cannot check my social media. I can't do anything. I'm basically pinned down. I feel like I'm in severance because... <laughs> The finale of Severance just dropped, and I'm really nervous because I got to see it. It's been an incredible ride so far, but I can't see it until later this evening. 
and I'll have my official thoughts on season one of Severance, which just got renewed for season two by Apple Plus this week. So I'm so happy about that. Nice. Also want to give a big shout out to the Lakers Fast Break because we've been covering Winning Time and that just got renewed for season two by HBO. So good things as far as shows we're following, but please check out Severance. The finale is here. It's I'm sure it's going to be a cliffhanger. It's already trending worldwide on social media. I'm really glad to see it. So I'm kind of nervous of what happens, what's going on with Severance. But I will be talking about it in great deal on Monday. But Melinda, I'm glad to go ahead and talk pop culture with you anytime. Oh, well, that's a relief. Because otherwise, what would we talk about? Severance. Severance. (laughs) It's been that type of show. I'll say this. Okay, I've been watching Severance and been watching through it for the third time this week just to make sure I'm prepping up for the Monday show. And I compare this show to some of the other shows I'm watching. I won't say any names. (laughs) Halo. Oh, I just did. I'm sorry. Where it has, as I said earlier this week on the Monday show, I said to Josh that Halo has not only jumped the shark, it's doing a backflip over it. It's just... (laughs) At this point, is to me, it's just bad. And it, to me, it just falls into that scenario where I think if you're not a fan of the video game series, just like Uncharted and the Uncharted movie, right, you're going to enjoy it a lot more than if you're into the lore and if you played the video games and if you enjoyed the video games over the years, because they have really gone in a different direction. And I'm not sure it's the best, but you know what? I'm still happy. Because the fact that they're earning numbers, that they're getting, it's the biggest premiere ever for Paramount Plus. So kudos, because that will mean more video game themed shows and series and movies into your homes, which is obviously the goal of what I've been talking about for, well, I think about 13 years now, since 2009, since I started doing podcasting. So I'm really happy about that. But my gosh, I asked Josh if he was Mm -hmm. a a man of faith and I told him to pray for me, to give me strength (laughs) to get through this halo series. Well, it's a lot like when they take your favorite book and they turn said book into a movie, all you can do is hope and pray that they stay close to the source material. Uh And I'm sure that what happens with books being transitioned to movies is probably the same sort of thing that happens with video games being transitioned into movies. They have to make adjustments to stories. They have to make adjustments to plot points. They don't really have to. Well, I mean, they kind of do. But they always do. Yeah, I I feel like they have to. Sometimes staying true to the book sometimes is difficult because of limitations of the studio, budget, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm not surprised that it's not saying exactly 100% true to the lore for the video game. But, you know, it's still a fun watch. And that's that's all that I want out of a show. I simply want to be entertained. I'm glad you're entertained by it. Actually, <laughs> I am. I'm very glad you're entertained. For me, it's just like opening up a wound, and I'm just trying to pick at it, and pick oh, at it, and pick at yeah. it. Because that's for rough. me, it's just, it's just a rough watch. It's just yeah. a rough watch. And I know a lot of fans are saying that as far as longtime fans of Halo. But to others, it seems like it's really hitting. And you know what? To those people that are enjoying it, I really am glad for you. And if you are, please let us know at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But you did say about how they're always in Hollywood when they get these properties, video game properties, that they always have to veer away for financial or creative reasons. Yeah. Uncharted, though, after credit scene, 
they already hinted that they're going into the scenario that set up the first game for Uncharted. So I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Yeah, sure. But I mean, you're not going to see every single plot point that's in the video game in the movie. That's impossible. It's like taking a novel that's 500 pages long and trying to make that into a two-hour movie. You're right, because these people games are can. 15 to 20 hours. So, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. hundreds of hours into video games. So. But you could take the basis from this and make it still a very good video game movie if you wanted to. Sure, and perhaps telling the story from a different point of view than the one that everybody expected for Halo was the correct way to approach season one for a general not necessarily video game playing audience. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. So no, and you're doing a good job. Doing like, a please, good don't, job. please don't be upset with me, but I think that that could I'm be... upset with you. I'm upset with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, maybe that's the approach and maybe next season we'll be ready to delve more into, you know, the character that everybody wants to see and, and hear from more. Maybe, 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 maybe. That sounds good, yeah. I, I, Hopefully I just, that will be the case. Trying to stay on the upside of things. <laughs> you are being miss positive and i really appreciate that because you know what i don't want to always be the debbie downer here so i will try to go ahead and be a little bit more positive when it comes to that but halo yeah back into it yeah i i understand getting the bad taste i i'm a star trek fan like dude i get it (laughs) yes but you know what josh and i will talk more about halo episode three we'll also be talking again about severance on monday's show but for today's show we got a good lineup for you because we've got a ton of movies hitting the theaters. In fact, they've already hit the theaters. So we'll get you up to speed what's playing out there in the box office land coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about Remedy and Rockstar reviving Max Payne 1 and 2. Is that a good idea for Rockstar and also Remedy to go ahead and revive Max Payne 1 and 2 after the debacle of the GTAs done last year by Rockstar? So we'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Also, as well, we're going to talk about Moon Knight Episode 2, Iconid. So I'll giving some generalities. I won't go into great detail, but I will tell you if it's heading in a good direction. We'll talk about that. Plus, also, as well, we'll be talking about Jean-Luc Picard. Season 2 is still going strong. It's still only halfway through it. But you know what? They're already talking Season 3. They've already wrapped up Season 3, from what I hear. And they just announced that part of that Season 3 is going to showcase some really familiar faces from a next generation. So we'll talk about that on a back end of the show. As you know, Melinda has a lot to say about that being the Star Trek fan that she is. The possibilities for the things that we would love to see is there, depending on, ooh, a couple of things. Oh, I can't wait to get into it. Absolutely. We'll talk about that on the back end. But also speaking of Star Trek, a man who loves to write for warpfactortrek.com plus also as well i have been on his podcast the jacked up review show podcast it is cameron sullivan he returns to the program to talk about criticulture and what makes a movie strong out there these days in 2022 we'll talk to him on his thoughts on that and i'll share some of my own on the back end of the show as well but first my friend leading up to the break since i babbled on about halo and how wonderful it is so far remedy and rockstar are reviving max Payne and one and two as far as putting a nice little new sheen a new cover they're going to make updated for all the major consoles out there and after what we saw with rockstars i don't know how do you say it failure to go ahead and do the same thing last year with all the bugs that they did for 
the GTA games that they tried to bring back, and they did, and it sold well, but there was a massive amount of problems, and we talked about that on the show, and how the the pushback on it was so great from gamers out there about how Rockstar just threw this out there with all these problems and all these bugs, and really just was something that they shouldn't have done for older games such as that. Right. I am now going into this thinking, I do want to play Max Payne again, but I'm kind of concerned that it will be a pain for Mm. Max Payne (laughs) 1 and 2 if that comes back. You know, that's my alias, Max Payne. Mm. Well, now it can't be because I just told everybody, but (laughs) anyway, yes, I understand the apprehension, but you know what? I'm going to choose once again. Does your husband refer to you by your alias all the time? Not all the time. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. No, I've never used Max Payne as the alias. I just thought it was funny. But no, I'm going to choose to stay on the positive thing. I'm going to choose to remain optimistic. I'm going to choose to believe that they learned from their mistakes from the GTA debacle. And I'm going to choose to believe that they're going to come through in a big way for us. Because it's not like they're short of cash, especially with Remedy, which has such a great reputation, especially in the past couple of years with Control. They're doing the Alan Wake remake, that they're doing a new Alan Wake 2. So they're doing a lot of good things there. So they've got a lot of cachet built in right now with the past couple of years with, with their success they had with Control. So I know a lot of gamers are giving them the benefit of the doubt when it comes there. But with Rockstar, it's not because they don't have the cash, because they have the cash of the biggest selling game of all time in GTA V, right. or thereabouts, one of the biggest selling of all time. And probably dollar amount that they've made more money off that game than anybody has. Go ahead and put it that stature. So I really am concerned, is probably what I'm going to say, as far as the look the feel of Max Payne, will it retain its awesomeness that had gamers loving it in the first place? Because right. Max Payne with the bullet time and the fact that it was a really interesting third party shoot em up. No, is it, is it one of the most, you know, uh, fondly remembered IPs of its time? No, not really. That's otherwise Max Payne would still be with us today. Right. It had a Max Payne 3 that they tried to bring out with a fresher look. I think it was the 360 console era. And it really didn't go over as well because they tried to change the look of Max Payne. It didn't really fly with gamers. And I really didn't think that they put their whole heart and soul into it. So I'm hoping they'll do better. Right. Please yeah. convince me that they're going to do better this time around. That they've learned their lesson when they go into these remakes. And they're going to go ahead and do a better job with Max Payne 1 and 2. Yeah, honestly, that's all we can do is hope until we get a hold of it and we get a chance to sit down with it. Doesn't think it would be too hard to take these games and do some nice things to it and and help them get to a better point where they're more attractive to a modern audience. Doesn't seem like it would be that hard, would it? Well, you wouldn't think so, but at the same time, it's possible that perhaps somebody high up at, at Rockstar doesn't quite have their finger on the pulse of gamers that they think that they have right now. Somebody obviously gave them some kind of information that told them that what they were doing with the GTA stuff was correct. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened, right? I mean, you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think. But my hope lies for this game, for this series of games, the Max Payne 1 and 2 remakes, lie in three words. Mm Q&A. If you don't have your Q&A a lot better this time around, Rockstar, 
then you're going to fall into the same trap once again. And for me, that would be really, really unfortunate because the fact that we have to report on this to people out there. And if there's any continued problems with this, we just say, okay, Rockstar did it again. And Remedy, who again, right now is doing some good things with, again, the Alan Wake 2 and and right. uh, Control was a big hit, IGN's Game of the Year, the year it came out, and all that good stuff. And they don't want to have their reputation tarnished by a bad release of Max Payne 1 and 2. And if they're both putting their names on this, I'm hoping the Q&A will be a lot better this time around. Yeah, that's honestly a hope and a wish. A hope and a wish indeed. A hope but- and a wish. What are your thoughts out there on Max Payne 1 and 2? Are you excited to get back into the realm of Max Payne as this remake will eventually come out from the great folks at Remedy and Rockstar, hoping that it will not be the same kind of ending or the same kind of games that we saw from last year's GTA remakes? Please let us know if you're concerned like me or if you think this is going to be a slam dunk or home run for Max Payne 1 and 2 remake. Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together? or Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W- where's the controller? Uh, that's it's, it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you... Here, were... you're going to need these two. Dice? You just had. Are these even dice? We are gonna play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role playing game. What kind of vampire do you wanna be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, there's Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season two to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. The box office is hot and heavy this weekend because we not only have one. We not only have two, but we have three. We have four solid contenders coming this week. We got four individual movies that have come out. One that released earlier this week in Father Stew with Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch is back playing a former fighter who turns into a you know thug and a, and a drunk and then he becomes a pre becomes a priest then he gets a disease which takes away the ability to go ahead and interact normally with his parishioners and then he becomes this popular priest and this whole rags to riches story type deal that came out on tuesday i know he's selling his 87 million dollar home so maybe that was coincidence i don't know about that yeah yeah could also, be. you should have said rags to robes. <laughs> rags to robes. There you go. Rags to robes. They're there for you. But also as well is Ambulance, Michael Bay's latest offering, which is going to have a lot of quick cuts all over the place. Quick, quick, yes. quick, quick, quick. Yes. yes. Almost give people out there some, you know, your your eyes are going to be twitching with all the quick cuts and fast action and explosions all over the place. That you get plenty of in this heist thriller that I think a lot of people are also not exactly thrilled to go ahead and see. The Metacritic scores right now are also exceedingly average right now. And then, of course, most likely will believe the box office is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. We'll get to the movie you want to talk about in the end sec. But Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. And, of course, you know Sonic the Hedgehog. Idris Elba has now joined the cast as Knuckles. Looks like it's going to be another fun time. 
they're all in line to go ahead and compete against the second week of Morbius, which I think will fall harshly due to the negative reviews that it's gotten. Your yeah. thoughts on this weekend? I know there's one movie that we left out on purpose, but we'll be talking about that and giving that plenty of love before okay. the half hour is up. Okay. I have a feeling that we're going to see Sonic the Hedgehog come out on top. Yeah, it's projected to do about $50 million this weekend yeah. is what they're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel for Morbius because I desperately want to enjoy that one. I still haven't had a chance to get to the theater. My gosh, that's still on my get to the theater to watch list. I might just spend a whole day at the movie theater. Oh, there you go. Start with the matinee, then go to like an early afternoon. Then, yeah, that's how many movies I have lined up that I've got to go see at the theater. Yeah, well, you know, back in the old days, the kids will tell you they used to hop from one theater to another. They used to have their secret ways of doing it. I don't want to get you and Robbie in trouble on that, mind you. So <laughs> It would be written all over my face. I have a terrible poker face anyway. They would know I'd be up to trouble. The usher would come up to you. Ma'am, did you pay for this movie? Right. No. Right. Are you old enough to be in this film? Sir, do I look like I'm older than 18? The no. right answer is No. <laughs> Well, the last movie I think we should talk about it. We're going to save the rest of the half hour for it is obviously a movie that you and I are both really excited to go ahead and see. And that's a movie that's already been out in theaters, a very limited release. Yeah. That's everything, everywhere, all at once, starring Michelle Yeoh mm -hmm. in this truly quintessential multiverse Marvel, please take note, movie. The fact that it's garnering outstanding reviews. In its limited release, it got, at one point in time, the average per theater here in the United States was about $50,000 per theater, wow. which blew away anybody else as far as any other movie that was currently out at that time. That's for the past couple of weeks. Just really great numbers. People are so excited about it. The buzz that came from South by Southwest, the Alamo theaters that they showcased it and we did a world premiere there, been tremendous. This is a movie that will be on a lot. And I mean a lot of top 10 of 2022 lists. It's already yeah. going to be there. I really think that a lot of people are absolutely in love with this movie. Your thoughts on everything, everywhere, all at once. As it I, hits to over a thousand theaters this weekend. Gerald, I, because I, I don't know everything about the movie business, believe it or not. I know it's a shocker. <gasps> um, I know, I know. But... Why would they take a movie like this and only do it in limited release? The studio behind it. It's not a AAA named studio. I think it's A24, which has does have a, a pretty good net, but it's not a super wide net as far as some of the other, you know, it's not like a Paramount or Disney that can throw out 4,000 theaters because it does cost money to put these films into that amount of theaters. Plus right. also A24, I think, hedged their bets with this movie. They weren't okay. sure exactly what kind of appeal that will have because, yes, it's a movie that is getting and garnering outstanding reviews. But nobody really knew exactly if this is going to be one of those movies. That, oh, yeah, it gets great reviews and then it goes right to VOD and it just becomes forgotten about and be on a few right. to best 10. This is a movie that's getting a lot of momentum. Yeah. This is a movie with Michelle Yeoh that a lot of people are really – are happy seeing her in. She has garnered a lot of momentum lately as far as being not only in a lot of prominent television shows, but a lot of appearances that have garnered her very goodwill with, with fans all over the world. 
She has kept herself very relevant over the past five years, being in a lot of great projects. She's going to be upcoming in that Witcher prequel that's coming to Netflix. So she's yeah. going to be there. She was in Star Trek Discovery. She's She's been in movies all over the place. And this is a tribute to her and her success uh, as far as what she's achieved. And now she's finally achieving it in a what people are talking about is a masterful performance. The director is getting raves about how this is being being portrayed. This movie is getting and garnering just absolute tons of praise. But I know you and I have been excited about that. We can't say enough superlatives, but we're going to try to before the break. That's for sure. <laughs> right. And what I what I found really interesting about this movie is a lot of it was filmed and produced remotely, which yeah. I find incredibly interesting. And I can't wait to kind of dig in and, and learn a little bit more about that process and, and how they kind of made it all happen. I guess with all of the jumping around, you kind of had the ability to be able to to film in multiple different locations. And I mean, I know that there's a through line through the movie, but uh, you know, it, it would have been easy to jump from one COVID, you know, that's something that they yeah. had to deal with there. So you had that with everything else that's going on as far as trying to go ahead and create this universe, create the action of this multiverse per yes. se. And to do that on a lower budget, because you don't have the Marvel budget of 100, 200, 300 million dollars, like for instance, Doctor Strange has that's yes. coming out here in a few weeks. You had a maybe a tenth of that. Yeah. I mean, in terms of movie making, we can probably call this a shoestring budget, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, A24 is the leading, I would call them indie producer that's out there. Okay. But they are still an indie producer. A24 is they're getting a name for themselves. They're producing some great stuff. Obviously, they've had some stuff that's been nominated for Academy Awards already. They've got some movies out there that have already been, garnered some success on you know, movie platforms like Netflix and, and other platforms of that nature. They've had some box office success as well. This could be the biggest one of all simply because of the fact it's got so much momentum Man. on their side. Yeah. And I mean, who doesn't love to see Michelle Yeoh either on your television or on the big screen in the movie theater? She's a powerhouse of an actress. My goodness. It, her in Crazy Rich Asians was, whoo, yes, man. Yes. I was she, afraid she of killed her. It. She killed it. She <laughs> absolutely killed it there in that movie. I think that was something where that was to the point where it brought everybody's attention back on her. She was still very active in the industry, but Crazy Rich Asians helped bring her back into the spotlight. Of course, she did Star Trek Discovery, and she did a lot of other TV roles. She's done some movies as well that have helped keep her in the spotlight. But this is the movie, I think, that even though a lot of people out there probably were starting to write her off, she is now telling people out there that she is capable of being a lead in a film that could garner a lot of acclaim and yeah. some dollars for yes. this year. I know it's corny as all get out, but if there was anybody in the world that I could just give a high five to and say, man, like you're crushing it, you're killing it, please don't ever stop, it would be Michelle Yeoh. Like, don't get me wrong, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with her, but just if I, if that's all I got was 30 seconds, a high five and a please don't ever stop making movies, I would be happy with that for the rest of my life. You and I both, but... It is everything, everywhere, all at once. It is a movie that I think a lot of people need to go ahead and check out. It is garnering some of the best reviews of the year. Right now, it's 83 on Metacritic. 
But when you look at it, there are a lot of individual critics. And this is something I will be talking about with Cameron Sullivan right after the break as far as critic culture is concerned. The critics themselves and the publications behind them, a lot of those are 100s, 100s, 100s. Right. I know IGN gave this a 10 already, and that was weeks ago. Yeah. And has garnered a lot of publicity because of that. Yeah. And it's something that I think a lot of people, if you get a chance, I understand it's only in about 12 or 1300 theaters here in the United States. And I know it's limited worldwide right now, but if you get a chance, please check out everything everywhere all at once, because I think you'll be glad you did. Couldn't have said it better. Give the movie your time. Give there the movie you your time. Yes. Give the movie your time indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on everything everywhere all at once and what you're going to see this weekend? Could it be that movie? should be that movie. It should be that movie. Plus also as well, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Are you going to go ahead and check that out with the kids as Sonic runs right back into the theaters? Is it going to be Ambulance? Michael Bay exploding things once again in a movie that's out there with Jake Gyllenhaal looking like another boom, 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 boom type of movie that's going to be quick cut, explosions everywhere, Looking like it's another true Michael Bay film with his Michael Bay type theme going on there. Plus also as well, you've got Father Stew, Father Stew with Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, Mark Wahlberg. Who knows? Could he get a good performance out of this? You never know. Please, we want to hear your thoughts. If you get a chance to check it out, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Or are you going to check out Morbius in its second week? Please let us know. Popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. So funny because you have Michael Bay that's coming back into the spotlight. You also have another stylistic action director in Michael Mann from the Miami Vice series that's released his series out on HBO Max this weekend called Tokyo Vice. And I will have thoughts on Tokyo Vice. That will be on the Monday show as well. So looking forward to going ahead and checking that out because I am a pretty good Michael Mann fan. I love his days as far as the way he stylizes everything. He always chooses great music, pop music to go ahead with it. Right. If you remember Miami Vice, you know, Heat. Heat is a great movie to watch as well. Yep. A little long, but it has one of the greatest action sequences I've ever seen as far as the bank gunfight is concerned. So if you check that out, that'd be great. But I'll tell you what, after the break, speaking of critic culture that we've talked about for the past few minutes with everything everywhere all at once, I will be back with Cameron Sullivan from the Jacked Up Review Show podcast. If you can go ahead and check out that, I've been on that show. He does a ton of podcasts through that channel, so you can go ahead and check him out there. Plus, he also does a lot of great work with WarpFactorTrek.com. Star Trek fans like Melinda, check that out. He's going to stop by after the break talking about critic culture. And then after that, Melinda and I will be closing out the show with some great thoughts on our own Star Trek stuff when we talk about Picard. We'll also be talking about Moon Knight, and we'll be talking about so much more right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and, of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassman coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We truly appreciate it. It is the 
world of entertainment and how we perceive it is on the docket for our conversation. And a returning guest is coming back right at us here. It is Cameron Sullivan. Cameron, great to have you back on the program once again. Glad you could invite me back. Loving what you're doing. Thank you so much. You as well as a prolific podcaster. You're out there prolific. in the entertainment world. <laughs> Trying. You Trying. Too, I, I saw all the work that you're putting into as far as the industry is concerned. So you're really putting it out there on your podcast <laughs> of what you're doing you. out there as far as entertainment is concerned. That's one of the things you wanted to discuss last time around that we'd approach is how entertainment critics are in 2022. Do they have the same weight they once held? And if not, or if so, where we stand right now with streaming, social media, and the whole nine yards. I want to go back to everybody as far as what I think is the, the height of when entertainment critical culture really was abound and I think really had its most importance. And I think that was when Siskel and Ebert was at the right. height of its 90s successful syndicated show. Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, they had a tremendous program where millions of viewers every month would just go ahead and tune in on their syndicated show. And also others like it because once they achieved the grand success that they did, others soon followed after that. And it was a point where their thumbs up and their thumbs down were becoming a marketing tool. And the importance yes. of that, it was to get a thumbs up or how bad it was to get a thumbs down on that. And the influence that they had on individuals out there, plus also the newspapers. Newspapers were out there in so much more of a, a predominant fashion as far as us getting and consuming information as a whole. And movie entertainment critics they were also very prominent on some of the large newspapers around the country in the United States as well. But take it a few years later, take it 20, 25 years later, we're now in a different era. Social media is now very much at hand. The word of mouth, which has always been a part of critic culture as far as how entertainment is or is not consumed, is now a bigger part of the equation. I don't want to dissuade entertainment culture and critic culture because it's still out there. I mentioned every week as far as what the ratings are at as far as a certain movie or program or game on Metacritic. I always reference that as far as a gauge as a whole. I think we saw a little bit of that last week with Morbius. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to critic culture and how it was lambasted entirely. So I think that had a little bit to do with the lukewarm returns so far for Morbius, but you wanted to go into detail. So I now giving you the platform to go ahead and, and speak <laughs> out on critic culture. I've already said enough. So I want to hear your thoughts, Cam, on what your thoughts are on critic culture in 2022. I think you set it up perfectly and we've come a long way from the internet. You know, I, I saw my sister shared me a great article that was on how, and it was eye opening to me because I, I was totally oblivious to this. In the beginning stages of the internet around 97, you know, there were that's when blogging kind of hit and people were finding out how to become critics and market it and register with Rotten Tomatoes and what have you and get your site links referenced. It was a good article just talking about how there was a lot of toxic fandom from Harry Knowles, who was known as the founder of Joe Blow. Yep. And like you say, I mean, we used to have a lot of variety shows, but they're often on at like the morning hours. I can't remember the last. And Peter Travers, I think, was kind of put a step down on his Rolling Stone gig that he's had for the longest time. So, yeah, I think everyone often is just going with the scores. 
and then just wanting to agree or complain. And at the same time, there are so many different kinds of movies that are critic proof. Like you could rate in Expendables or Superhero or Venom is probably the one I want to probably point to the most that Venom yes. You know, you're going to see it right now in the numbers overall. I think what points out Sony is not going to make a very great deal at all. In fact, they'll probably lose a lot of money on Morbius when all is said and done. When it comes to Venom, that was also very much lambasted by the critics, but we Mm. know that has proven to be critic proof. Those are still going to get a lot of people in wars. I mean, the newest Halloween and Star Wars movies kind of had a lot of giant contrasts where low user scores mixed to mostly positive critic scores. So it does make you wonder how much of it is in the studio's favor versus people legit are reacting that way. And right now I think Fast and Furious is probably the biggest franchise where like anyone could say anything about it. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Excellent point. Excellent point. You're right. Absolutely. Because, you know, they can go to space and get roasted by the critics. It doesn't matter. It's just basically two hours of shut off your brain and watch the cards jump around. And, and <laughs> people love that. And in fact, it's one of the biggest global hits. Yes. You know, of the past 20 years, as far as on an international basis. And you're exactly right on that. However low the scores go, it doesn't seem to matter at all how important and how entertaining that series of movies is to a lot of people. A thousand percent. And I think it also just kind of depends on who's in charge of what site. Like, I don't know who owns Metacritic, but I generally trust them more. And generally any movie that's a limited release tends to have a bad score because not enough people saw it. Yeah, absolutely. Only five critics were given it, and there was like one good review, and the rest were mixed and negative. So, yeah, you're going to read as like maybe a 30 on a 100 star scale. Well, Metacritic is just a baseline. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be just a baseline of whatever all these critics put out there. They, they right. send it, yeah, and it's supposed <laughs> to be just the average. Rotten and, Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes to me is a little bit misleading. Uh, that and yeah, because they do the good or bad when half the time if you look at the review, it's a mixed review. Yeah, good exactly. cinematography, bad acting or story. So then and it changed owners. It used to be a Warner Brothers company and yet they were still getting their movies bashed. And now it's owned by Fandango. And they came into question when there was that Lionsgate gangster film that flopped on Gotti. Oh, and yes. The one with John had, Travolta. Right. And it, everyone was bringing the questions like it's only playing at a few L.A. theaters and everyone's saying X amount of people are you know interested in seeing this. What you know, what is this? <laughs> That's very questionable. Absolutely. I mean, with Rotten Tomatoes, like you said, it can have a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes on mm-hmm. as far as certified fresh, as they call it. But if right. they're all a hundred percent sixes or sevens or five and a half <laughs> if they're all just barely positive scores how really good of a movie is it so that's so this is a question i want to ask you and this leads into right uh, you know the part of the conversation i want to really get into is where do we stand in 2022 as far as critic culture is concerned i mean how much importance do we hold critic culture at this point because it's obvious we do not hold it what we like we did 25 years ago there are no standout critics who you could instantly name off the top of your head. You know, it's just seemingly just, it's now more like, okay, IGN publications. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a different editor or person each week. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. So it is almost like a, a faceless individual that's reviewing these because you don't remember the face. You just remember the publication. 
But in the world of 2022, word of mouth and social media and the push behind it seems to be just as paramount or more so in how you promote a film than whether or not it's getting good or bad ratings. That's a good point. And with all the culture wars we've been having lately, that can really kill a movie too. I saw a lot of people, users, acting like the critics were biased because they weren't crazy about the new Ghostbusters. Yes. I didn't care one way or the other about it, but I saw a lot of good points on other sides and then a lot of hostile points on other sides saying, oh, they just don't like it because they praise the all-female cast that the others hated. And I was just like, well, I, I like the original. I don't think it needs any more sequels. You know, I'm just like, so, well, but it did perform well at the box office, right? and there is most likely <laughs> going to be a future for it. I know there's a video game coming up later this year, but I, oh, totally. I do, do know that there's a movie future for it as well after the success of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. And to me, it just shows that, again, good word of mouth on social media. It'd be great if you get very good critical culture, if you get a good Metacritic score, if you get a good... Rotten Tomatoes score. That's all nice. That's great for those line quotes and those box quotes and those stuff that you throw in the ads in there. But you can find enough quotes as far as if you're a movie coming out. Like, for instance, when Doctor Strange comes out, even if the movie gets panned, you're going to be able to find enough lines in that 30-second ad as it comes out that you see on TV <laughs> as far as all the, the quotes that you see. You're going to find enough quotes with enough blurbs. Movie. Yeah, enough blurbs that you're going to be able to go ahead and use that no matter if the movie's panned or not. To me, it really comes down to the social media aspect of it because the influence of social media in today's age, to me, is extremely important. If your movie is buzzed about, if your television show is buzzed about, I'll give you one that I talk about all the time on the show that I really think is one of the best shows on television, and that is Severance on Apple TV. That, yes. that show is talked about constantly, just got picked up today as we're speaking about this for our season two, which I kind of wish they waited a week until they gave us the cliffhanger ending or something like that because the finale is coming up. But mm-hmm. uh, they did renew it for season two. It's obviously been very successful. And part of that is because it didn't get much publicity when it came out. It only got a lot of publicity when the critics started going ahead and talking like about it. like with Ted Lasso. It took a yeah. year for it to catch on. And, and then also the social media aspect. So tell mm-hmm. me about that, how that works for you. When do you really pick up someone, something like that? If you didn't pick up on it right away, is it because of social media aspect or is it because that you think you hear good things from the critics or, or see good scores or, or maybe a combination of each? I think it really depends on the crowd. And right now I notice a lot of people who are pretty cynical tend to just always agree with whatever is ranked 40, 50%. And you don't know how much of it is, well, you know, come on. You might not like this movie when you rewatch it. Like, I guarantee you, some, especially David Lynch or Christopher Nolan ones, are going to vary by everyone's mood. So I think, like you say, it is a mixture of how much effort they try to put on social media. Because, like, Netflix shows kind of really are word of mouth because they kind of same Amazon kind of numbers where they got investors on Wall Street and just putting stuff up when they strategically choose to put it up, you know, <laughs> and COVID definitely hurt a lot of these shows performances, but I think it was also since no one planned for that, everyone had to work overtime to kind of keep promoting stuff. Yeah. And so they did double the work and they're complaining about, they're only going to make their money back when they win all the awards. <laughs> Your insight is truly appreciated. And the fact is, again, 
there's so many people out there that once they get behind something, they are influenced enough on social media that they're able to sway people's opinions one way or the other. Oh, yeah. That's always something interesting to see. But yeah, I tell you what, it, it just is a different story in 2022 than it was in 1995. And, and I understand that the critics they have a different kind of influence today because they can actually showcase their reviews, not just on their publication, but they can showcase it on social media. They can showcase it on YouTube. They can showcase it in different formats that can go ahead and get the word out there, whether or not they like or dislike an entertainment piece. And I think the influence is different. Yes, it gets out to a larger audience than it did in 1995, but also as well, everybody else's opinion gets out there in mass as well. So it's interesting to see how now it's this big ocean of information that you can yeah. weed through and whether or not your entertainment product, TV show, or movie gets through it. It's very interesting to see how it's navigated, whether or not at the end of it, and once you're finished navigating through it, if you're ultimately your product is a success or not. It's very true. And I've talked to some of these indie filmmakers who have worked on productions of all kinds, TV, indie movies, theatrical, direct-to-video, and you meet all kinds of producers at all kinds of meetings while looking at your next gig. And all the time, one of them, who I'm still in great touch with, was heavily talking about how his producer pals will just instantly go on IMDb and fudge the ratings. And he's like, don't do it. People can tell. And so I think it's just a broken system, really. They'll heavily market their Rotten Tomatoes, even though, like you say, like, for instance, Mission Impossible 5, what was it, Rogue Nation got like a 97%. And I think all of us can kind of agree is like, like it or hate it. It's not that high a rating. You know, it's yeah, I mean, that's it it is very misleading because, you you know, some people perceive Rotten Tomatoes at 97% as being almost the perfect movie. And it's not. It's just that 97% of the critics said it was an okay movie. It was a good movie, <laughs> in their opinion. So it could be a seven or an, and a popcorn flick. It was fun. It was a fun popcorn flick, but it certainly wasn't right. a movie that is like a 97. When I go on the show and I talk to people about what the critics are saying about it, I have a tendency to lean towards the Metacritic side because to me it's a fair evaluation of where the critics think it is. Do I think that a movie is the same as they do? Not always. I don't think that a good movie is always bad or a bad movie is always good. Or, you know, I don't always agree with the critics on that end. A lot of times I'll judge these things for myself, but at least gives me a guide to what to be prepared for, as was always the case with critics. Whenever you're just, that's the idea behind people letting you know or critics letting you know about a certain project coming up, a film or TV, is that it's supposed to be a guide for you if you want to go ahead knowing whether or not it's generally accepted or generally not accepted before you go ahead and decide whether you want to check it out. Oh, very much so. And everyone's always surprised when the rating changes over time. It's like, well, that's just it because some of the reviews are from home media releases, you know, it's just, yeah. and not everything is seen in as wide an audience. And it does stink how the marketing comes into play more than half the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think a good marketing is even better than whether or not your movie or TV show gets a good critical rating. I think it's everything about the marketing and how well it's done. And I think that to me is is the ultimate thing that you need to focus on here in 2022 with social media and everything like that. Thousand percent. Well, Cameron, so great to have you talking critic culture. Cannot wait to have you back talking more pop culture right here at the pop.
Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. want to thank so much Cameron Sullivan from WarfactorTrek.com and also as well the Jacked Up Review Show podcast for stopping by on the program. Before we head out, Melinda, I wanted to go ahead and say why. You got to go ahead and check out Melinda's great show, Vampires and Vitae. I know there's a reason why, especially, that you've got a great show on tap for us this weekend. Why should people check out Vampires and Vitae and subscribe today to be a part of the Vampires and Vitae? Oh, my goodness. That's a huge question. So well, You told me. You said you set me up for it earlier before it went on the true. air. It's true. It's true. It's true. You're right. We are officially back on this Sunday. Uh, I know. We're so excited. Two weeks off was far too long for us. We're going to get things back together, back on the rails on Sunday, and we're very, very excited. And our characters are headed to Egypt. Ooh, very interesting indeed. So please check it out today, Vampires and Vitae. Catch up with all the great episodes today at Vampires of Vitae, or the live episodes that we showcase at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, the number one tabletop RPG streamer, wherever you go on Facebook. Plus also as well, you can check out the latest news and information on the world of pop culture today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But before we head on out, Melinda, Moon Knight episode two is in the books, and it gave us an even more interesting look as far as the dynamic between Stephen Grant from the gift shop, who <laughs> is no longer in the gift shop because he got, well, I can't say because it's spoilers, so I won't go into it right now. He had a life change, per se, plus okay. also the dynamic between him and Mark Spector. And you find out a little bit more about what's going on with Mark Spector. You find a little bit more about Conchu and, and what they have to do in support of Conchu and and how Moon Knight comes to be, and also the the type of battles that he's facing. There's one in particular during the episode that's really cool to watch, and it's off to a very good start for the six-episode series. I can't even say. it's it's We're already one-third in. Your time has been well spent on the time that you spent with Moon Knight. Yeah, absolutely. The first episode was so good. And the way that the episode ended, you were just like, oh, okay, next week I'm coming back. So that's what I'm doing after we're finished here. I'm going upstairs with some snacks and I'm watching that episode. I can't wait. So funny. I can't wait to do the same for Severance, the episode um, nine and season one finale. But I can't do that because I got to edit first. So... I, I do. I do have a question. I don't yes. think that this question is spoilery. But do we have to deal with seeing the shoe situation again, or do we just not do that anymore? We don't do that this time around. There oh, okay. is an extended appearance by Ethan Hawke as the bad guy once again. Yeah. But he does a lot of explaining about who he is at this point in his life, why he's doing what he's doing. 
and his past. He does mention his past, and it's okay. very intriguing. I don't want to say whether Ethan Hawke is a good bad guy or a bad guy that's like run-of-the-mill Marvel type bad guy yet because it's been very hard to gauge. They're, they're trying to do this in more of a cerebral fashion okay. because he himself is not a true powerhouse. It's just the magic he wields is more right. powerful that he wields as we saw in the first episode. So it's a very cerebral character. And it's someone that I think that you shouldn't underestimate as far as his power or his control over the series and his interest in the series. Because I think that so far he's been doing a pretty good job of conveying that, yes, he is a bad guy, but he's doing things for what he feels is justified reasons. Yeah, well, I mean, all of the best bad guys do have those reasons and all of the best bad guys make us kind of question whether or not we would follow the bad guy instead of the good guy. Definitely. Those are the best villains, really. If you can understand where a villain is coming from, you've nailed the writing of the character as far as I'm concerned. But I am very positive so far on Moon Knight. I really think that it's a solid episode two. I think that it really helps along. A much easier watch for me right now than some other shows. <laughs> Halo. <laughs> so I will just leave it at that. But if you have thoughts out there on Moon Knight episode two, and you really think that the series is going well, or if you think it should be heading in a different direction, did you like the costume changes that were available in this week's episode? Which I, again, I will leave at that. Okay. We'll elaborate further. Okay. But please let us know your thoughts on Moon Knight as it is so far and if you're excited to go ahead and catch the rest of the series please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well my friend it's been a great episode but before we head on out i will try to not drop any more severance hints even though hint hint you should see severance severance okay. on apple plus okay you know, comment more about it on the monday program we're talking about a lot about that Tokyo Vice. We're going to be talking about the results of the box office. I know Josh will have something to say about Halo because he's on the fence. He doesn't know if he likes it or doesn't like it. <laughs> so hopefully we'll get a little bit more clarity on that. But before we head on out, we talked about Star Trek Picard before. It's still going through season two. I think it's okay. This season is a little bit more focused. It's taken an interesting turn, especially for Jean-Luc Picard and the name Picard. Have you been watching it as of now? Or? Uh, I'm not super caught up on it. That's one of the shows, unfortunately, that I end up with. It's okay. I can binge watch two episodes next week. It's fine. I can binge watch three episodes next week. Unfortunately, that's the show that I do it to. And it's probably because I feel like I know the characters so well that it's like, you know, that friend that you have where you sit down and you just start exactly where your friendship left off. That's mm -hmm. how I feel about Captain Picard and the cast of The Next Generation. Well, in this year, so far, the only familiar faces that you will see if you're from the Next Generation or previous Star Trek series era, as of now in Season 2, it is obviously Jean-Luc Picard. You'll also see Q. Yeah. And you'll also see a version of Brent Spiner's Dr. Noonien Singh, although you, it's a, not Dr. Noonien Singh, it's a doctor, another Singh from whatever the 2024 Dr. Singh was. Great. That's who he's playing at this point in time. Those are the three familiar faces that you see, plus Seven of Nine. She's a regular cast member, so you see her as a familiar face as well. But next year, which they recently said they already wrapped on, it was so funny because they already talked about how they've wrapped season three, which is going to be the final season of Picard. They've right. already wrapped it. Which we and, assumed it would be, right? Yeah, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. 
Yeah. But this week they dropped a bombshell that they have included virtually every name actor that was part of the regular cast in the next generation. Yeah. Included for next year. So what are your thoughts? Because again, you're going to have Brent Spiner there who is already playing a major role in this season. You're also going to see Jonathan Frakes return. He's actually directed an episode for season two. So it's not like he ever left. Right. Marina Sirtis is going to be there. Gates McFadden will be there. Yes. Michael Dorn will be there. LeVar Burton, who should have gotten the gig. Well, we won't talk about that. That's something we talked about no. on the show already. Yeah. Certain Jeopardy game, but we won't yeah. talk about that. Yes. Yeah. He's going to be there. So all these familiar faces from Star Trek, the next generation are going to be there. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Star Trek Picard season three? Do you just want to get season two over with and get to season three? I mean, kind of. Not that I have been unhappy with what I have watched of season two. I've really enjoyed it myself. Whoopi Goldberg appeared on this series earlier this season. Yes. So. Yeah. And I I adore the video of Patrick Stewart coming onto The View and asking if Whoopi would be on the show and her reaction. Oh, that's it was just a beautiful moment and I loved it. But holy smokes. Okay. If Michael Dorn, Worf, right, is a captain in season three. Is it possible that we are going to get Star Trek Captain Worf finally after all of these years that Star Trek fans have been waiting and wanting and Michael Dorn himself has said that he would be game to do? He's been asking that since two decades ago. Roughly. Yeah. Like it's been a minute, but maybe the success of Picard has Paramount Plus going, huh, maybe there's something else we could work on here. Because there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever that Michael Dorn has figured out what his show would be like, what it would look like, all of that kind of stuff. And man, oh man, I would sign up for that season, that series, all of it. I would sign up, no problem, in an instant like that. Yes. You, you just love like a whole season of Klingon language. Just I mean, blah, you know, yeah. see, like, I mean, blah, blah, blah. I did at one time know a little bit of a Klingon opera. <laughs> just okay. not going to brag too much. And no, you don't want me to perform it because that's bad. But man, oh man, Michael Dorn, if honestly, if he's a captain, you'll hear me holler. You'll hear me screaming. Okay. I'll when that comes out. If that's all the way happens. from one side of Las Vegas to the other. Okay. Yeah, they just have to say Captain Worf and I will lose my mind. There you go, indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on the crew of Star Trek The Next Generation? They're going to be dropping by Star Trek Picard in its final season, season three. What are your thoughts out there? As all these familiar faces will be dropping by the whole crew there, the new crew that they've already amassed for season three of Star Trek Picard. Looking forward to a reunion of the crew of Star Trek The Next Generation. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. I already know her thoughts. I already <laughs> know. Yeah, that's easy to, to ascertain right there for you. Right. But my friend, it's been a great episode. I truly thank you for stopping by as always. I'm so glad that you, Robbie, and everyone out there in the household are doing so much better. We are. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Please go see everything everywhere all at once. Track down a theater. Travel. Make it an overnight trip. Make it a little vacay for yourself. Go see that movie. Please. Michelle Yeoh deserves all of us going to see this movie. She deserves that. She deserves it indeed. Just yeah. really happy for her success. Hopefully one day we can actually talk about that success with her 
some type of interview format that would be awesome that would be oh, definitely worthwhile and definitely wish her the best and if you can please go support this little movie that can yes this little movie that could and hopefully one day next year when it's oscar consideration time hopefully it'll be the little movie that did so from melinda barkhouse ross this is gerald glassman it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great